Well, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> I might. I'm sick again. No! Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It doesn't seem like COVID this time. I mean, I don't think... I'd I hope you know, not. I just had COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. But sick again. Like... Yeah, rough. So for like... <laughs> For like five days now, uh, and I'm not even gonna try to hide it. Like I sound like I sound mm. like shit, and that's it is what it is. Um, yeah. For like five days now, not even like nasal congestion, just like mm. incredibly sore throat. Oh, that's not fun. And like persistent cough. Oof. So like feels like razors to swallow. <laughs> And then, and also hurts to cough, but I'm coughing lots. And, and like, since day one of this, it's been like, you know how like towards the end of a cough or like some chest congestion, Mm. maybe you start coughing up some of that lung gunk. Mm. Oh, yes. I've been doing that since day one. Ugh. And it's like green oh so i finally because we're supposed to be leaving in a couple of like i'm supposed to be getting on a plane in a couple of days <laughs> and, and going away right and so Zoics. i went yesterday i went to the to a clinic i went into a walking mm. clinic and i was like hey mm-hmm. um what's up with me and is there any because like the sore throat was not subsiding it was like day five and like just hurt so much and i was like so what's wrong with me and can we do anything to speed this up (laughs) like what you know how do we expedite this yeah work with me here and he was like well here's some here's a prescription for some antibiotics um he says i don't really think you need them but if in five days it, if mm. in another four or five days it's not better and mm. or is worse, then, you know, start these antibiotics. Um, mm. so that was yesterday when he gave me that. And I started taking them today because I was like, no, screw that. I'm like, <laughs> it, it just, it hurts so much. And I'm just like, you know, on the off chance that this is like something bacterial and the antibiotics uh. are just going to get in there and like, clear and it's only like a five-day run of antibiotics so if i'm like if i can be good to go in about four days tops, uh, then then we're laughing but hello and welcome hello and welcome to the movie men podcast where i am the co-host peter the sick co-host is brady mm-hmm. and hopefully the practitioner who gave brady medical advice which brady kind of followed but also kind of didn't hopefully he's not listening or if he is he's cool with it yeah, well, whatever, you know, what's he going to do? <laughs> YOLO. What's he going to do? <laughs> well, yes, welcome to the show. We are doing a episode where we voted, or rather the audience voted, where we uh, did the final of three votes taking place in 1994 films, where we just gather a bunch of 1994 films and have different votes. This one was Interview with a Vampire, Ed Wood, Clerks, and the winner pulp fiction and yeah i have to say so there was a decent turnout throughout mm-hmm. interesting turnout um yeah. lots of people wearing that i voted sticker 
Yeah. Uh, we had a friend of the show, Brad, who had somewhat of a connection to the show Clerks. Um, and also just a common commonality between uh, two films that I just had no idea existed until the, the vote, which was Clerks and Ed Wood. And I, I actually just want you to shed light on them to me. Just like, what are they? Okay, so Clerks is, um, I believe, the first film is super 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 low budget mm. like you know the writing and stuff like i'm not saying you and i could if we set out to make a movie tomorrow <laughs> we would make a better movie than clerks i'm not saying that sure. um right. it would look better it would sound <laughs> better and it would have right. higher production value um just because of the time you know 20 30 years ago well, yeah, and he just had no money, and he was just an mm. indie. He was just like a guy who was like, oh, I'm screwed. I'm going to make a film. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but there was like, I believe the first low-budget film made by Kevin Smith, um, mm. who I've brought up on the show many times. Um, yes. Yep. But Kevin Smith being like, a, he's written comic books. He directed, um, I mean, Clerks 3 just came out. Um, oh wow! There was also Jay, the Jay and Silent Bob films. Mm. He directed uh, Tusk and um, hmm. just a bunch of you know, like a yep. bunch of things. Right? He's yep. the type of guy that he gets invited midway through production <laughs> to go to the super secret Star Wars set and see what they're <laughs> up to, and you know, because people yep. people listen to him and sure. his his uh how he feels about things and and that you know creates good sort of buzz for everybody <laughs> publicity um yeah. so that's it it's literally just about like a, a couple of like convenience store clerks and mm. who i think maybe work the night shift or something i can't mm. it's been a while um, yeah, yeah yeah but it's bad it's black and white oh neat Neat. You know, it's just old. It's just, well, it's not black and white because it's old. It's just like low oh, budget. It's, it's 1994. So, yeah, yeah, I hope not. Making me feel old here. Um, Ed Wood, I'm not going to spoil too much for you because I do sure. recommend you watch it. Um, but okay. it is a, it's a Tim Burton film. And it does look fascinating from the snippet that I read about it. Yeah, starring Johnny Depp. Um, mm -hmm. It's a based on a true story story. Um no, really? I'm I'm Oh, interesting. Quite I can't like I'm not sure. doubting you. I'm just surprised. I think so. Um Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, starring Johnny Depp play who in the film plays a uh a filmmaker. Mm. Um who also is a I don't want to get my terminology wrong. A transvestite? Mm. He's a crossdresser. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ed Wood. Is this based on a true story? Is it uh, in well, black it's based and white? On, it's, it's, it's based on a real guy. Okay. Like, I is just I pulled up Ed Wood, and what I got was the Ed Wood <laughs> actual Wikipedia page for the real guy. So, <laughs> yeah, true story. Is, is that film in black and white as well? It sure is. Interesting. Yeah, just obviously, again, just stylistically. Yep. Oh, of course, of course. <clears throat> interesting. Well, yeah, we had a lot of interesting votes. I'm just interested to hear the ones that you shared. 
I'll get into interview of a vampire in the what we watched segment, but the winner was, and what we're here to talk about is Pulp Fiction. Yeah, a movie that uh, I had never seen. I think. Oh, really? yeah, I guess you wouldn't have because we've never reviewed it. I was going to. No. For some reason, I have a memory of maybe I talked about it in years past. I for sure did. And maybe we just chatted about it in the What You Watched. And for some reason, I thought we had both discussed it, but quite obviously not if you hadn't seen no, it. No, I, I had not seen it. In fact, if you had asked me prior to watching this film, uh, to tell you what Pulp Fiction was, I would, the most detail I would be able to give you would have been a qui- an early Quentin Tarantino film. That checks out. It has John Travolta and Sam Jackson in it. That also checks out. They wear suits. <laughs> and at some point have a discussion about cheeseburgers. And that was it. That was literally, that was right. the extent of... My, I had no other frame of reference. I had no idea what sure. this movie was about going in. Right. right. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I do have a trivia question for you, and then uh, we can get into our usual order of business with initial impressions and so on and so forth. Sounds, sounds like gravy. <laughs> it's a single question, and I'll give you some little tidbits before I, I give you the question, just to kind of let you get warmed up. Um this isn't the actual question, but I'm going to ask it as a question. Do you have an idea? And uh, spoiler spoiler alert for MCU fans. So if you, MCU is something meaningful to you that you haven't finished yet for some reason, you've had your time, just skip ahead 15 seconds here. But well, Brady, hang on a second. This is a little what? bit of the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Clarifying. I'm spoiling something that was like... Probably five ish years ago. All right, I, in like, the MCU, a guy, yeah. a not guy. current. I'm not, I'm not like I'm not going to ruin like Moonlight Kingdom. No, or, like, I know, but like the, the co-founder of a movie podcast. Who <laughs> I can't think of another human being who has more gaps in their recent MCU viewership. Going literally Guilty. hopping on here on a on a public <laughs> platform. Yeah. And using his platform to say, if somehow you're a total idiot and haven't gotten God, around no, to seeing the... I mean, you've had your chance. If if by some miracle... I didn't say that. Miracle, I just said, I mean, for what I'm going to ruin, it's been around for a while, so no one could get really upset with it. Like, right, you know, okay. if someone's a super MCU fan like you, they'll be like, that's such old news. That's and old if news, someone yeah. still doesn't know what I'm about to spoil, I'd be like, well, where have you been? Okay. It so, just again. It just yeah. I, you're I, like, I, if, no, somehow, I, if somehow yeah. you haven't finished the MCU yet, and I'm like, well, okay. Even the MCU hasn't finished the MCU yet. It's still right. we're still going, but but yeah. also you're not caught up. So let's just. I I get where the red flags can start popping up when I said what I said. Yeah. Uh, All right. What What do you think? What Bible verse do you think was written on the tombstone of Nick Fury? <laughs> Oh, is it the is whatever Ezekiel whatever it is? Yeah, these quote unquote Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, which is not actually Ezekiel twenty five seventeen for anyone who has Google. Uh, but I feel like Tarantino doctored it. I feel like that's on point. I feel like 
Sam Jackson's <laughs> character would be misquoting it anyways. Do you know what oh, I mean? Like yeah, that, that to me that works. Right. But yeah, that is a, apparently the 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 inscription on Tom Fury or Nick Fury's uh tombstone. Um the F bomb is used apparently two hundred and sixty five times in this film. That's and interesting. It didn't like I can I can certainly picture it being said. Sure. <laughs> but it doesn't stand out. It doesn't stand out as something that was like gratuitous. And maybe that's because mm. maybe that's because the F word <laughs> and the N word and all mm. of these other like all the other profanities that are in this film. Yeah. I think I just don't hear them when it's Sam Jackson saying them. Oh. Like something about Samuel L. Jackson saying mother effer makes it not a swear <laughs> anymore. <laughs> right? It's just Sam Jackson saying mother effer. <laughs> right. Like, do you, do you track it all with that? Like, do you know what I mean? I guess a little bit. Like, I, mean, I feel like had he not sworn in this film, that would have right. stood out to me. <laughs> As like, ooh, Sam's lost his edge. Like, what's... <laughs> See, I get where you're coming from. I think I grew up with Sam Jackson exclusively being Mace Windu, which is like a PG version of Sam Jackson. Right. So then after I saw Star Wars, it was like, oh, he's in this movie about a plane and a bunch yeah. of snakes. I was, also, I was just about to say. About yeah. I, I like, again, I, I get what you're saying. So like, I think I'm just shocked and I'm, it's not like I get if you had seen in the filmography, the progression of like him being in this and snakes on a plane, then yeah, that would be where I'm coming from too. I think I just, I, I get what you're coming from. I think for me, the F-bombs don't stand out as much just because there's a lot of egregious other words that are used that are like really <laughs> raising an eyebrow but uh yeah they use the f-bomb a lot here a lot uh so my question for you is i hope you're not about to ask me what this movie's about because i honestly still could not tell you oh that's so juicy because i'm gonna ask you that later but okay. we, will, <laughs> we will get there i'm so happy you asked me that uh so tarantino from what i read and the thing with the internet that I had this question prepared and then I literally read something 15 minutes ago that made me second guess the accuracy of what I read. But I'm going to go with that. It's accurate for the sake of the question and that I want to believe it just because it's a fun question. Tarantino, when he wrote this film, had in mind in having a specific star for a specific role. Which future Matrix star did Tarantino write a role for? Was it Lawrence Fishburne? Was it Keanu Reeves or was it Carrie Ann Moss? Okay, question. Is this the role was still there and then someone else played it? Or just that the character didn't, like, the person that wasn't in it and then the character mm. that they were supposed to play also doesn't appear? Oh, right. So, yeah, the character was not deleted. It was played by someone else. Okay, I'm going to go with Lawrence Fishburne. And I think he was supposed to play, uh, what is it, Wallace? Jules. No, the... Oh! The, um, Like uh, the gangster boss guy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. 
Uh, that's it. I I can't remember that. That actor is in. Is he the actor from Green Mile? I don't think so. No. Okay. I, I don't think so. That's um. He's got a very iconic name. Um. Mm-hmm. I feel like their and he's voices... also passed away. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, the Green Mile um, actor. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Michael here. Michael Clark Duncan is the oh is the Green Mile guy. Okay. Um. Anyway, sorry. the The answer is you're right that it's Lawrence Fishburne, but okay. wrong for the one you picked. So I I showed my hand there. It was Jules. So the the character portrayed by Sam Jackson was apparently written for Lawrence Fishburne, from what I read. And um, I feel like Sam's the better casting. Yeah, for sure. I mean. According to what I read, Fishborn turned it down, and later he said he just didn't like some of the tones in the film, specifically like glamorizing drug abuse and heroin use and whatnot. So, um, right. I agree. Sam Jackson plays it well, and it's an iconic role. Um, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> could you- Do you know what's funny? Go So, going into this film, I looked up real briefly, like, okay, so, you know, just for the sake of argument, like, who all's in this? Um, mm. And it's people like uh, Tim Roth, Christopher Walken, Bruce Willis, sure. uh, John Travolta, Quentin Tarantino's yep. in it, of course. Yes. Um, yeah. Sam Jackson. And I did see Uma Thurman. Um, mm. I saw that going into it. And then just now... I looked mm-hmm. it up again. I have the cast list sitting in front of me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Uma Thurman was in this." Like, who the hell mm. was? And then I read, and I was like, "Mia, yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm so bad, really. I'm so bad at spotting and recognizing Uma Thurman in roles." Oh, interesting. I had no idea that was her while I was watching it. That's super funny. That's super funny. Well, she's literally on the cover of the film. Yes. Because she's literally the poster. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, of course that's her face. But I think right. it's just the haircut. Right? Like, it's not a yeah. standard yeah. Uma Thurman haircut. And so it yeah. just, and the color and stuff. So, all right. Sure. Cool. Well, let's get into some initial impressions, shall we? Okay. Initial impressions. Um, like I said, if you'd asked me what this movie about was about before I watched it, I would say <laughs> I, I have no clue. Um, now that I've watched it, if you were to ask me what this film is about, I would say, uh, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> this movie <laughs> lacks coherency. Mm. It lacks a comprehensive plot Mm. it lacks any form of narrative direction whatsoever (laughs) having said that it manages to be all over the place have a bunch of loose ends loopholes things that don't make any sense and are never explained Mm. all while being incredibly entertaining great and and fun to watch and so i'm literally like halfway through this movie i was like 
None of this makes any sense, and surprisingly, <laughs> I don't give a shit because <laughs> I'm just like, I just like images are just flashing in front of me, and I don't know what any of them have to do with each other. Mm-hmm. But I'm having fun regardless, so it doesn't matter to me, right? Yep. Maybe I don't need this to make sense. Sure. Maybe maybe this would make more sense if I w- was someone who did drugs. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but in my current sober state, I I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as as a piece of art, I kind I kind of get it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's my initial impression. What's yours? I assume you've seen this movie before. Yeah, a lot. So, uh, we did a top 10 films where obviously is, you know, uh, as it sounds, we ranked our top 10 films and that was a long time ago. That was, I'd say about a year ago, maybe two years ago. And my opinion on top 10 film lists are they're a living organism and they change in time. Cause as humans, we change over time and likewise, our interests might change or how we perceive things or value things change. Well, and new so, movies come out. New right. movie on that too, there's, but there's I, constantly new contenders, new contenders. But I'd say even the way we look at things can sometimes change too. So regardless of the thing, it's a shuffling list. And for what it's worth, this movie did make my top 10 back in the day. I think it was like a eight or a nine. So it just barely got in, but it was still there. Um, so yeah, I, I have seen this many times. It was really cherished for me at one point. And I do still enjoy this film. It's just not quite as high up there anymore. It's not in my top 10. I don't know what it is about it because I think like all Tarantino, when the highs are really high for me, there's moments I adore. And then there's some lows that are really low for me. And I think specifically with Pulp Fiction, I can kind of resonate with Lawrence Fishburne a bit. There's just some drug abuse scenes or uh, some moments in the third act that I'd, you know, there's just moments that I think my stomach don't doesn't enjoy anymore and maybe ruins the overall film as a whole. Uh, so it, it, as a whole, it's not as perfect as I once thought it was, but there's perfect moments and there's moments that I adore. And like you, I, I find it incredibly entertaining, uh, adore the dialogue, adore the characters. And you know me, I love the window into the into the 1990s. So I love that. And um, just from putting a film pundit hat on that you and I do, that's what we do. We have a film podcast. I do have to acknowledge, hey, this is an iconic film. It put Tarantino on the map and uh, love it or hate it. It is a famous film and uh, it's it's quote unquote well received. So um, uh, I do enjoy it. Not perfect. I'd say the fourth act for me is perfect. The the, the final act. But um, I guess I'll end my initial impression with a question. What do you think was in the suitcase? Um, I listen. I I don't have any opinions that are my own opinions. Of course. So I guess I misspoke earlier when I said when I listed the the things about this movie that I knew going in. Um, mm. I did also know that there was some suitcase. Okay. And that a common theory was that the contents of the suitcase was somebody's soul. Mm. Um, and so having watched it, 
my guess would be that the person whose soul it's supposed to be is uh, is that main boss guy, Wallace. Mm, um, yes. And I don't know that I saw... I don't know that I saw anything in this movie that would make me go, oh, yes, obviously that's what it is. Like, that's a super sound theory. <laughs> right. But I, But I also don't... Like, having watched it, I don't have any opposing theories. Right. So, sure. I, you know, <laughs> if you say so, if that if that's what that was, if that was, if, the, if he went to go get, you know, he sent these guys out to go get his soul back, then, mm -hmm. then sure. <laughs> but it's, to yeah. me, the suitcase is just one of those, it's one of several items in this film. Mm. that kind of feel like MacGuffins to me, kind of feel like objects mm. or plot points or, mm -hmm. you know, things that I have questions about, things that mm -hmm. I'm curious to get your take on um, or some explanations for. But so yeah. we'll, uh, we'll start with that then. Like what is, I, I guess my theory by default is that it's the guy's soul. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mm -hmm. think? I that is what I've come to the conclusion of, and uh, I'm not as well versed on you know what's up. What are the other options from A to Z? Because I just think this one fits the most. That's the one I've always honed in on, and just little things like when the visually this could mean a lot of different things, but still, if you're looking at evidence to support the theory you're looking for, this is a point, you know, they open it up and it's an illumination. It's a, it's a fantastical, whatever it is, it's fantastical. Like even Tim Roth looks at it and says, is that what I think it is? And you know, it's not just like a pair of socks or something in there. Um, you've got, uh, Marcellus Wallace in one of the, f f um, scenes where he's on the phone you get a view from behind him i believe it is and you see a band-aid on the base of his neck so there's yeah, the theory of a, okay emphasize that band-aid a couple of times yeah um when they open the briefcase the combination is 666 um so you know just all those kind of little things go to me okay I think that makes sense and in a fantastical kind of way like why not have it that because i i don't hone in on any other explanation that is either a more plausible or b as much fun so that, that's kind of what i go with right okay <laughs> you don't sound happy no it no 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 i yeah. you know yeah it's cleared up and nothing for me. It has cleared up nothing. And let this be an opportunity. If the listener agrees with that theory, if the listener disagrees with that theory, or disagrees with it and has their own theory, or subscribes to a different theory, I personally would just love to hear what other people think is in there. Uh, just because I think it's a fun dialogue. It's uh, it's it highlights the fun of cinema that we can just get so honed in, like you said, on like a an insignificant thing of a briefcase, but it's such a significant plot point, and it's just yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, like, what is this movie about? And at the end of the day, who knows? Uh, like, 
you know, if you put it in filmmaking school and you use it as an example, like who's the protagonist, who's the end, you know, like there's a lot of different things in there. It's okay. Right. This doesn't follow a true, you know, stereotype of a narrative that you would make when you're making a film. It sure um, doesn't. <laughs> and we'll get to this later, but like, obviously even just the order that things are told in, and this isn't the first movie to do things out of order by any means, but just even the way it, you don't even realize it's out of order. I feel like that's kind of also a bit different, but for what this movie's about, it's about the dialogue that, and that's, that's it. Like that is in a nutshell. If you had to summarize it in two words, it's about the dialogue. Yeah. And I heard someone describe <laughs> coincidentally, they were talking about a different Tarantino film, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, but they, they, they were describing it as, you know what? This is essentially a collection of entertaining moments pieced together. And honestly, that's how you could describe Pulp Fiction. It's, you know, is it a comprehensive story? Is it a traditional story? Probably not. But right. is it, as you found it entertaining, it's just this collection of entertaining moments, yeah, entertaining exactly. conversations. And I, again, there's some moments that I just absolutely drink in and adore. And I I acknowledge that I have no more idea what it's about than you, and I'm just okay about that. I'm like one of those, you know, TV salesmen or televangelists that you're like, oh, I've got these problems. And I'm like, that's okay. We embrace that. You just enjoy that it doesn't have a dial or it doesn't have a narrative. It's just a lot of fun moments and you don't need anything more. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, yeah, like you pointed out is in line with what my experience was, it was just this this is just a bunch of random moments, but <laughs> it's entertaining. Now, being entertaining, though, I want to know, was it, there's some stuff that was offside. So, we, you've all already referenced the language, which is, I think we can kind of summarize in a way that the language isn't overt, like it's not using F-bonds for the sake of it. Like it just, it kind of is very smooth and like under the radar, and that they use them in like subtly almost like it's not just like okay i just listened to a bunch of f bombs it's i was listening to a conversation that happened to have f bombs if you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't i don't ever not find the n word jarring um oh absolutely and, not and i think something that's interesting cuz there's like two types of use of the word mm. and and what was interesting for me is that in on more than one instance, um, you have Caucasian people, yes, using it in this film and using it in a way like not necessarily using it in a derogatory way, um, and not in a way that you know, like Quentin Tarantino will use it and. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Sam does. Jackson doesn't have a reaction like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> you know, like that's just, that is just the dialogue. That is just the the, the language that they are talking. Um, and so I, I, I think I found that interesting creatively because mm. something about that, something about the use of it and then... The response, something just, the whole dynamic about the way they used that word 
made、mm. the story kind of feel like an else elsewhere story, like an else world、hmm. type of thing. Kind of, kind of pulled it out of what we're used to seeing in film、hmm. and what would what we would associate as normal. Interesting. So, yep. Hmm. Um, were there other things that you you watch different horror films or different things that I might not be comfortable with? Were there elements in this film that took it too far for you, or were you, you know, hey, it's just a film and you walked away from it? Like, you know, I guess the elephant in the room is the whole third act, but、uh, what goes down with Wallace or um with uh yeah Marcellus Wallace and Bruce、yeah. Willis in the game um. No, I mean, there's definitely some. <clears throat> there are definitely some visually.、Um, there, there are some some shots that are supposed to be vis- visually shocking.、Um, mm. I would say the first one would be Uma Thurman's overdose.、Um, oh, yeah. And, but I but I thought that that was masterfully done. Like I don't know how accurate、sure. any of that was. I don't know、sure. if. Yep. You know, because my understanding of that and kind of what went down, like obviously she uses cocaine,、um, mm. and then sort of my understanding of it was that what he had in his pocket though was not cocaine; it was heroin.、Mm. Right, because that's kind of what the、yes. guy was saying. Was it like, oh, cocaine's on the way out? Like, what you really <laughs> want is heroin. Right,、um, and I don't know. Like, I honestly, I don't know. Like, we all know what cocaine looks like just because of the movies and because of oh yeah, know, it's like a white powder. Yeah, yep. I wouldn't know cocaine. I I wouldn't know heroin versus crystal meth versus <laughs> right, like you know, crack. Like, I I have no idea. Yeah, you you have to show it to me with a picture and say this is this, and I'll say, oh okay.、Uh, yeah. Now, how do you how? How do you administer that? Like I don't, I you know,、um, mm-hmm. but yeah, my guess is, <clears throat> excuse me, my guess is that apparently you're not supposed to snort heroin. Oh,、um, okay. I guess,、um, or at least maybe <laughs> not when you've already got a bunch of coke in your system. Like I, I, I don't know. So、right. I don't know if that was accurate. I don't know if simply stabbing her in the heart with adrenaline. Would make everything, you know, like five minutes later they're driving home in the car, and <laughs> definitely not, <laughs> and everything's hunky dory, right? So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that was supposed to be jarring for sure. Yep. yep. Um, I think some people could be, some people could up be upset. I mean, everyone's got different levels of tolerance, right? So some people、mm-hmm. would be upset about the guy getting his his brains blown out in the back seat of the car, right?、Um, yeah. Certainly the the rape scene,、um, uh, yeah, is you know is、mm-hmm. is meant to be shocking. Nothing、mm-hmm. in this film, though, ever really. Had that effect on me? Nothing was ever. I was、mm. never like, "Ooh, this is grisly," or "Ooh, this is right." Yeah,、yep. and I think just because it felt in line with sort of the edgy unfilteredness of the world that the movie created, 
So mm. it, it it always, you know, not that like, oh, I saw what happened to Wallace coming, but it also <laughs> wasn't like this confounding, shocking moment. Um, right. It was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, like that in the world that we seem to be playing in, that that checks out. That makes sense that yeah. this is a place yeah. they would take that. So, <laughs> right. Uh, I'm a big soundtrack guy, as you know, and I think this this soundtrack is superb. As my Spotify account can attest to, this is definitely one of those albums that I'll throw on Spotify, and not from A to Z I'll listen through it, but pretty close, pretty close I will listen to almost every song. I, I find not just that the songs are catchy or they are iconic songs, but they are truly used masterfully, uh, just as far as the timing of the songs, both when they're used, the timing of the length of the song that is used. And, you know, they just all have a purpose. They amplify scenes, everything from, you know, in the pawn shop, it's a single song. That whole scene is a single length of, of the song. Like that's uh, the song begins when the, the scene starts and the, the scene ends when the song ends. You know, like you've got things like that to just different things like counting flowers on the wall or, or just like all these surf infused songs that begin and end the film. And so it's just such this wide array of things and it works as far as, telling a story and again making it interesting and it is one of my most top played uh movie um soundtracks on my spotify and i I just i think the soundtrack is great did you how did you weigh in on the soundtrack i'm about to break your heart oh okay (laughs) i don't know that i ever once noticed oh okay that's not my heart's not broken yeah, I'm not going to say like, oh, you know, it was I heard the soundtrack and it's shit. No. Yeah, <laughs> see, that would break my heart. It just didn't, That's it, fair. it didn't do anything. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I just, maybe I was too focused on the dialogue. I was too focused mm. on other yep. stuff going on, but I never, yep. a song, there was never a moment where a song came on and I took notice. Mm. Yeah, That's fair. Um, you hinted at it, and I just want to go through the list just for the sake of it. But Star Studded is is incredible, and yeah. obviously, different different levels of Star Studded. You've got people who are in their peak. You've got people who are maybe just a little bit more at the beginning, and then you also have people who are kind of stepping into the water, rejuvenating their career, like John Travolta. So you've got John Travolta, Sam Jackson, Uma Thurman. Uh, one of my favorite roles in this whole film is uh, Harvey Keitel as the Wolf. Yep. Love it. Tim Roth is okay. Um, you know, I do appreciate some Christopher Walken, and obviously Bruce Willis is an iconic name. Um, I I remember when we reviewed a lot of Tom Hanks movies, there were a couple specifically. I think it was, ooh, I want to say Apollo 13, and there was a different one too, but they were offered to John Travolta, he turned it down, and then Tom Hanks took that role and just as a fun thought i just th- i when i was watching this movie at times i was trying to picture just in this alternate universe not that it was offered to tom hanks but just in a role of role reversal because it's happened historically with other films i see john travolta and he is an electrifying role in this in this film and i i think tom hanks could have pulled it off too 
I just oh, what can yeah, he I pull mean, off, right? <laughs> apparently, Geppetto. But uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, I could see that though for sure. Uh, but the last thing I want to bring up and by no means does that have to be the last thing we talk about but what make you of the way we saw the story as far as I think it if if you're piecing it together the opening act happens then technically it'll be the fourth act happens next and then technically the second and third act if I have that right so it's obviously out of order did you you know, is it the type of thing where you watched it and you went, well, maybe I would have been more into it if I had known what was going on, if it had been told sequentially, did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Like, I enjoy it. I think it's fun, but I've seen it so many times. So like, I'm very aware of, you know, paying attention to details because I know what I'm supposed to be looking at or looking for, but as the initial viewer, what, like, what was your initial impression of that? Um, at, so there's, there's two qualities um, to the way this film's laid out. Um, mm. One of them I admire greatly, and the other... The other I'm not going to talk shit about, but I also... <laughs> um, I, I don't have anything against movies that show you events out of sequence. Mm. Um but I do think that it can be something that is hard to do well. And I think sure. that sometimes what's meant to come across as really crafty can just end up confusing your audience. Um, mm. And I would say there were a couple of times where I just it was left feeling confused. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And not like confused and intrigued, but kind of confused and annoyed about it. Sure. Yep. And I think the the one moment that really stands out is like when when Bruce Willis kills John Travolta. Oh, sure. Yep. And then in the very next scene <laughs> is John Travolta. <laughs> because at that right. point, I don't think I'd really wrapped my head around the fact that this is that this was out of sequence. Mm-hmm. So yes. then I was kind of like, "Okay, wait. So now are we jumping back in time now? Like, uh, what? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like the film starts out, and you're like, okay, well, so there's some some douchey couple <laughs> mugs a diner, robs a diner, and then." <laughs> <clears throat> and then John Travolta and and Sam Jackson go and and shake down the guys in this apartment. And then later that night, John Travolta goes and and watches the boss's wife, right? right. Like entertains yep. her, gives her a good time. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of all, although there's not like a solid story happening there. Mm-hmm. It kind of flows in a sense. You're like, okay, well, this is like I understand the chronology of this. Um, so then, when all of a sudden you real start to realize, like, you can make it that far and not realize that it's out of order. Oh, absolutely. Um, when I first watched it, I can relate for sure. And I think you can make it up until when John Travolta dies before you fully understand that it is out of order. 
Mm-hmm. And so then yep. I think that moment, just the way that's done, it's confusing. I'd rather know from the get that mm. that it's out of order. But yep. the thing I did appreciate is this kind of like, so there's something that the Lord of the Rings does. Not the movies, but the books. Mm. So if you read, for instance, The Two Towers. Have you read The Two Towers, sir? I have, but not like it's pre-kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Probably five to six years ago. So have, but not. Several fortnights. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yes. What's interesting, and this is like, this is a storytelling faux pas. And that's why it was such a big deal when Tolkien did it. And mm. Tarantino does it here, and I and, and I like it. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't, uh, honestly, he doesn't lean into it as much as I think he could. Um, mm. So in the Lord of the Rings, in the books, so in Two Towers, for instance, mm-hmm. the book is split into two halves. Okay. The Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli storyline. Mm, yes. And the Sam and Frodo storyline. Yeah, yeah. And so you'll read halfway through the book following Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli without ever checking in on, you're hundreds of pages in, and you've not checked in on Frodo and Sam. (laughs) And you'll read through, like, their whole story Hmm. through this time period, and then you start the second half of the book, and you go back in time to, like, where it started, and... You, you read through that period of time now, but in what's happening with Frodo and Sam. And that's not hmm. quite what happened here, but what does happen, the, the similarity between the two, is large block storytelling. Mm. Okay. Ar- around yep. the f- 55 minute mark of this movie. Hmm. I suddenly realized that for the last 45 <laughs> minutes, it's just been John Travolta and Uma Thurman. Right. We've disregarded, yeah. we have literally cast away all other plot points <laughs> right. in this movie, mm-hmm. and we're just following these two. And I right. loved that. Interesting. I would say I would say from about the 15 minute mark of this movie to about the hour mark is my favorite por- portion of the movie. Really? Yeah, the part the part that captivated me the most was yep. cuz I think there's like you could make a whole movie out of that, right? The, the whole oh, movie yes. about this guy who's watching the boss's daughter and yep. she's a yep. little difficult because she's a, a druggie and she's <laughs> o- overdosing and it's you don't want to you don't want to get too close and get thrown off a roof you don't want to get too close you're in, in the bathroom giving yourself a pep top like there's a whole film there if not like a comedy film mm-hmm. right like it's it's you know and so i found that part and then just like the the dialogue in the diner, right? Mm. This fifties diner that I want to go to, by the way. I also would love to go there. But like, and then even just the dialogue specifically around this milkshake. Mm. The milkshake dialogue. You know, like it just and that's and you're right, like this film is about the dialogue and 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 the fact that 
yeah, you, like I said, you're watching this part. And right up until the overdose, you do. You sit there and you're like, nothing has actually happened in the last 35 minutes. <laughs> nothing yes. has happened. I've just been and watching these two talk. It's glorious. For 35 minutes in yep. various settings. Absolutely. And I'm riveted. Yes. And it's small talk about like what quali- what quantifies a $5 milkshake. Well, I am. Abs- yes. Yes. Preach. So <laughs> I, it's so funny because I was actually just going to hone in on that scene. I love that scene. Yeah. You're right. I like nothing is happening. <laughs> nothing but then is after happening. 10 minutes, you realize that you're drawn in on what makes a good $5 milkshake? What, you know, what constitutes it being worth it? And all these just essentially yeah. meaningless things and that he are just it. riveting. He's like, yes, that's like, you know, damn, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty a $5 damn dollar milkshake. Yeah, that's a pretty damn good milkshake. I don't know if it's a $5 milkshake, but it's a pretty damn good milkshake. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's just. I don't know. And I think that's what happens when you have really strong, like you don't need, none of the characters in this movie have a lot of character development. They don't Other have, than a Jewel, I would say Jules does, but aside from that, not really. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but they're not him, like, no. like we don't need to know who they are or sure, where they're from. No. Yep. Or what their dreams are, or any of these things. It, you just need to know that each person in this film has a very strong sense of character. Like, they're they're uniquely different from everybody else in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they stay consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And that makes these conversations fascinating. Because what you're doing, you're not just seeing two people interact you're seeing two character types mm, interact yeah yep and and you end up with this interesting dynamic as a result sure sure i want to piggyback on what you just said and nerd out just a touch more all right i i agree i love that sequence and i feel that milkshake sequence in the diner the 50s diner is also um, an example of the soundtrack, and I just love the 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 you never can tell playing and the dance off and the awkwardness of it, but the stoicness of it, and just the two of them dancing, and I, I love that scene, and I find it interesting that that I think I would consider that like the second of the four segments that that was your favorite, and I'd say that's probably my second most favorite. It's a very good act, and my favorite is the final act. I think it's almost flawless, and. I think it just, you know, it has everything that you just said. You know, you've got Quentin Tarantino sitting on a bed with Harvey Keitel, and they're talking about wedding linens. And, you know, I've got these linens that, you know, my great aunt Martha gave me, and she's no longer with us. And Harvey Keitel's like, well, was she a millionaire? Well, guess what? Marcellus Wallace is, and we'd be happy to pay for this. Now, would you like new oak furniture in your bedroom? And this whole conversation just goes on and on and on. Or Harvey Keitel going through with John Travolta explaining to him, you know, this isn't the time to being polite. I'm here and I'm not going to be, I'm going to be curt. I've got to be, you know, we've got a job to do, but if it makes you feel better, I'm going to say pretty pleased with the cherry on top. Like all these moments of just, uh, 
non doesn't make has no need to be there and yet it's so enriching these just uh, discussions and um yeah my fourth act is my favorite fourth act is my favorite but uh, it, it mirrors some of the same reasons of why you liked the part that you liked the most as well seeing and her a name i forgot a name i forgot steve buscemi working in the diner yeah yeah in in a blink and you'll miss it Yes, very, yes, very much yeah. so. Yeah. Um, seeing Harvey in this made me want to watch National Treasure. I, <laughs> right? Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's an underrated guy. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and I forgot to mention this, there's the things that we all talked about that I've always known that I liked, and we discussed why I liked them and where they occur. Uh, something that I think is fascinating about this movie that I can even find new things in it when I watch it for the umpteenth time. It's just the bad things happening in three that I've never noticed before. You know, every time John Travolta goes to the bathroom, something bad happens. So when he first goes to the bathroom, uh, Uma Thurman overdoses. Another time he goes to the bathroom, the diner uh, starts getting held up. And then obviously, poor luck for him, a time he goes to the bathroom, he gets shot. So just like little things in the writing like that that i've never connected the dots before that it's just fun that you can watch a piece of art that like all film is art you can find something new in it each time and that's yeah. fun yeah that is fun um i have how many questions do i have i have at least one question <laughs> please lay it on me what the hell <laughs> Is that the question? Like, I, I can connect a lot of pieces okay. mm. and make sense of everything. Okay. Except for understanding what relevance... Mm. Oh, hang on. No. <laughs> it almost became relevant, but it didn't. Oh, hang on. That's it. That's a really far flashback. Oh, okay, hang on. What? Spill it I out, mean, spill it's still, it's still it stupid, out. and it still doesn't Talk lead to anything. Okay, so I was, trying to understand the re- I was trying to understand the relevance of the wristwatch. Hmm. And whether or not the mm. wristwatch from the, mm-hmm. ru- the wristwatch that Bruce Willis is freaking out about is the mm. same wristwatch that that uh, Christopher Walken presents to that kid. Now, I just pieced it together and figured out that that kid is Bruce Willis. Right, yes. And that the Christopher yeah. Walken thing, the whole ass-smuggling story, is, <laughs> is a huge yes. flashback. Yeah, yeah. Happened Which, 35 years ago. Yeah. Which, again, could be confusing not knowing that we're flashing back. You know, when you've got stories told out of sequence, it's hard to know, was that a flashback or was I jumping stories? That's fair. But then, ultimately, outside of it being a MacGuffin to get him to (laughs) go to that apartment, make some Pop-Tarts, and gun down Vincent, (laughs) what is the point of that wristwatch? What is the relevance? (sighs) There is none. You've got me there. I don't think there is, but like in a lot of things in this movie, nothing is really relevant or nothing no. is really of significance. <clears throat> yeah, no, sorry, I was just taking a drink there. 
Um, <laughs> with your illness, I wasn't sure if you're still still alive. <laughs> Uh, no, which, I mean, then, aside from it being star power and being really funny, you could, Bruce Willis could have been going back to the apartment to get absolutely anything. It w- didn't need right. to be the wristwatch, and that whole yeah. Christopher Walken scene is, it doesn't, it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from but, being really funny, aside from starting <laughs> out as, like, this heartwarming story about a about right. a boy who's lost his father, which you're having mm-hmm. a, sort of a hard time taking seriously from the get-go just because of Christopher Walken's accent. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, your dad is... You know. <laughs> and then and then instantly it just, like, switches. It goes from, like, this, like, really heartwarming talk yeah. to this incredibly satirical thing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just like, wait, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you need the watch though, right? Not just to have that fun conversation, but you know, I think even with such an emotionally significant piece of, you know, memorabilia, I'm going, you fool, what are you going back for? But if he was just going back for his Walkman or something, I think we all would have lost our yeah. minds. Yeah, for sure. But no, so I liked, I, you know, overall, I like the movie. Like I said, the whole. The whole sequence of mm. of John Travolta watching after Uma Thurman, I think, is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. Es- especially, I was like, during a moment in this, when they're in the diner, I like stopped and was like checking my phone for a second, kind of like keeping <laughs> one eye on the movie. Mm. <clears throat> Literally for like 30 seconds. And then I suddenly became aware of the fact that John Travolta was about to dance. <laughs> and I like turned threw off the, my phone, threw it across the room, put it on the other side of the room, sat up. Mm. And I don't know what it is about like we just love to see John Travolta dance. <laughs> it's true. Even I if mean, it's not like he's not he's not pulling yeah, no. off super sexy moves in this movie. <laughs> no, not like he has in the past. Yeah, it's not this is not like, you know, Saturday night fever. This is just like <laughs> Dad yeah. at the disco. Dad at the disco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you have anything else, sir? I don't think so. I, I, I really love it. I love, I, I forgot to mention this again. What I love about the fourth act is just the dialogue between Sam Jackson and his character, what he's learned, what he's decided to do. And that once, you know, at the end of the movie, what the order of things come into, you know, that it comes to fruition. You know, it's not like, Hey, we had this, quasi miracle and i didn't really learn from it you know he did learn from it he was sincere about what he said he was sincere about what he learned he was sincere about what he was trying to tell tim roth to do and again it just is a a moment that caps off a movie that i think has some really interesting he let him go he let him go Uh, i do i I do like in movies when the start of the movie is the end of the movie yes and all of a sudden you realize yeah you know what it moment can be, in time you've come to. Yep. It can really, uh, it can be really done. If it's done well, it can be really interesting. Yeah. I just saw that in a movie and I'm trying to remember what movie it was. But. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well. On a scale of zero to 10, sir, how would you rank Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. I give it an eight out of 10. 
in uh, on my category of how much effort, it still reaches the top level. So, you know, I would see it in a movie theater. I would see it uh, getting a babysitter to look after the kids. I'd get out of the house to go see it. Uh, eight out of 10 is still a notch below. I think it used to be a nine when it made my top 10. So, it, you know, some things have dragged it down a bit. Like I said, the highs are incredibly high for me. I could talk all night about them. And then the lows are, you know, just some things that make me uncomfortable. And I think it, what's really got me is just the drug stuff now. You know, it's just like, okay, it's it's a reality that some people struggle with. And I think it's just it, you know, when you're having your suspended disbelief, it kind of brings a bit of the reality back into the picture. And that's just a personal touch. So eight out of 10, even though it's come down, I still really think it's a great film and I adore moments of it. Yeah, what did wh- you give it out of 10? When does this take place? How do you mean? Like, is it supposed to be set in the 90s? I would think so. Just with the style of the clothing that they're wearing and, like, the t-shirts and, and like, the home decor. I, I think it's set, like, in present day, which at the time was 1994. 94. Yeah. You yeah. know, <clears throat> the interesting thing with the drug thing, though, is, like, there's something about 80s and nine, early 90s stuff where, like... I don't know. Early, I feel like 80s and early 90s culture. And I've, like, don't get me wrong. I've never done cocaine. I have no interest in it. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. clears throat> but there's something about that time period, especially in film, that just sort of like is able to like romanticize the idea of cocaine. <laughs> like that it was this, like, it wasn't like this junkie drug. It right. was this, like, party drug it was this yeah. like you know you you would do you'd you'd go to the bathroom to powder your nose and you'd come back out and you'd dance your heart out and you'd you know um like so, Thurman. hot damn yeah so for yeah, exactly so for me something about like an 80s film like you know it's the reason i'm i i don't think i'm all that into the goonies is none of those kids <laughs> did drugs none of those kids sniff powder and I'm just like, I'm like, it's an 80s film. You're supposed to, are you not supposed to do cocaine? It's the 80s. See, I wasn't alive I, in the 80s, so I don't know. I think that's an interesting perspective I've never considered before. Never, oh, okay. And, and like I've disappointed you by not being up to speed on the MCU, the Goonies I've never seen. I've never been interested in watching I've it. seen about half of it. I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> Oh, do you really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was like a, it was like a that and Gremlins in sure. the same set thing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what did you did you say? What you gave the set a ten? No, I give it a seven. Um, okay, that's respectable. I have no need to see this in the theater. I. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining. Yep. And I may watch it again someday. I may not. That's fair. Just because I've seen it and it doesn't feel like something I need to see again. Um, yep. But it's not something that if I were, again, if I were hanging out somewhere and someone was like, hey, let's put Pulp Fiction on, I wouldn't I wouldn't suddenly grumble. Whereas before I might mm-hmm. have. Before I might have yep. been like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know anything about <laughs> that. <laughs> Right. Seems overrated. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I That's think funny. I think honestly, it may still be like to a small extent. It may be a little overhyped. Sure, um, I, 
very possibly. Yeah. Just just as such an iconic piece of like movie hall of fame. Sure. You know. Avatar, Titanic, Pulp Fiction, you know, like movies that people talk about all the time. Oh no, there's just there's, will get there's no overhyping Titanic. <laughs> there really isn't. I mean, honestly, if we're talking about masterpieces and and <laughs> you bring Pulp Fiction to a Titanic fight, you're you're in for a rough argument. A rough argument. I mean, okay, listen, I know I'm behind the eight ball because there's some Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic and yep. Tarantino hadn't used him yet. But while Kate I will Winslet. say, yes, yes. I, listen, we will review Titanic in a Bill few Paxton. short months. I know. Listen, you don't have to convince me. I'm with you. What I will say, we will talk about this. We may see it in theaters in a couple months. I will just say pound for pound, just as a side note. Yeah. Titanic. I'm not going to say it's better. I'm just not. But I will say, pound for pound, Titanic did have a $200 million budget. Pulp exactly. Fiction had an $8 million budget. So I'm not saying one's better than the other or one's better than the other because of that. I'm just saying it's apples and oranges, right? Completely different I, movies. Both I hope good go in their see, own right. I hope we go see the re-release of Titanic together. I, I I hope we do, too. Do you know how long it's been since we've seen a movie in the theater together? Yeah. It's been it's, 84 uh... years. <laughs> there it is. Way to go. You did it. That's good. Did not yeah. see that coming. I set well, you up. That was good. Uh, what'd you watch this week, sir? Okay. I watched two things. So this is kind of a segue from our voting. This was what came second in our voting options. Shout out to friend of the show, Andrew, who, amongst others, voted for this. Uh, I watched the 1994 film Interview with a Vampire. You do this a lot. Yes, I do. When my Quite often, if one of your vote options win... You, I feel like you get a little spring in your step. You're like, yeah, my option one. I get to watch and talk about my option. You know what I'm going to do to celebrate? I'm going to watch my other option. I'm just going to pat myself on the back with my other option. And I'm not going to branch out and see a film that I have not seen before. I am just going to... Just gonna there's a lot to my other options. There's, there's a lot to break down there. One, <laughs> yes, that's right. But two, I, you know, it just I, I don't take pride and spirit in whose votes win. No, no, it's I, just, I'm just Josh. It's you. it's human. No, it's it's quite serious. It's human spirit that if my interests align, I'm like, hey, let's do this anyway. I do hope for a day that some of these other mo- options, not just in this year. But other years, that options you bring forward or that Patreon voters bring forward do win. Because it is fun when that happens. I love having my horizons broadened. But I watched uh, Interview with a Vampire. Yes. And Andrew Andrew posed this question, and an interesting one. He mm-hmm. said, I'd like to know how at 60 years old, Tom Cruise still looks the way he does. And I mean, Andrew, we're all wondering that question. He, uh, I think there's only one way to... <laughs> to continuously age without aging. Okay. What is and it? I think you have to drink the blood of Paul Rudd. I think it's, <laughs> I think Paul Rudd clearly consumes yes. unicorn blood. 
Oh yeah, but but not clearly. everybody has access to unicorns, and so I think if you drink Paul Rudd's blood, there's <laughs> enough of whatever the mutagen, <laughs> you know. Yep. That's that's how you know. Looking at the trailers for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, <laughs> obviously, obviously, whatever Paul Rudd is doing, Michelle Pfeiffer is also doing. <laughs> Good golly. Quite clearly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I watched this film, and I'll take a second to hash it down here. Um, I had seen this film once before, years ago. And something of note, I talked about this before, our interests can change. I think that maybe happened a bit with this film, too. Because I had memories of this going, yeah, this was a really interesting film. I don't remember what happens. I just remember fundamentally some interesting plot points. And what I realized was, I think the film that I saw was like, again, the TBS special that was like edited for TV, was missing some things, and like was, you know, cut down for commercials. So that maybe changed my viewing experience when I right. first saw it. Didn't have but- the, the Sean Connery cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I'll say is this movie, uh, just for a summary, if anyone's not familiar, a vampire that is Brad Pitt tells his epic life story that over hundreds of years he talks about different loves, different betrayals, uh, but ultimately the loneliness and the hunger that he has that he gave up death for the sake of, you know, being quote-unquote the monster or quote-unquote the vampire that he is. And so, you know, it's got a pretty star-studded cast. It's got Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, a child, um, Kirsten Dunst amongst, uh, oh, and Antonio Banderas, I believe. So, yeah. A lot of famous famous people. It I, ultimately, if I had to summarize it, it was a wasted opportunity. I, there's some oh, really, really, juicy, juicy story narratives to play with, you know. And I'm not giving anything away here. Brad Pitt plays the guy who was a victim, and so he just kind of became a vampire, and so he's you know he kind of just does it to survive he really rather just you know kills rats or does things because he's really benevolent benevolent rather and then you've got the opposite you've got tom cruise who just does it for the sport like he just he he goes out for a night on the town and will kill a half dozen people and you've got these two people that are bound together because of their shared secret that you know no one else can be aware of just because of their immortality and they are just so opposite to each other and not in a complimentary way, like in a very butting heads, uh, no rest for at least Brad Pitt. And so I just, you know, fundamentally, you can. I think you can just do so much with that. You can do, do so much with philosophically what, you know, struggling, uh, struggling you can go through. So I thought there was so much story narrative that I just, they maybe touched the tip of the iceberg and then just went on with other things. Um, I felt it was a wasted opportunity for a window into history. I love period pieces. And I'm not sure if it was just the direction that they went, that it felt very not a good period piece, or if it was just from the 90s, or if it was the budget that they had. But I walked away going, well, that, you know, even if it was a bad movie, but felt like I was walking in 200 years ago, I would have been enjoying that experience. That was not the case. And, you know, just even set prop pieces and, you know, costume, like the wigs that some of these actors were wearing, Brad Pitt, like these are big name actors. This is a big film looked awful like every time i found their costumes distractingly bad going that wig looks 
awfully like awful and fake and i'm not convinced by anything about this so you know it it was a film that had a lot of ingredients a period piece you got some philosophical questions you could tackle you've got some big name for the wrong temperature that's exactly it brady it was just you know all those things that i really honed in on and i remembered elements of them and then when i watched it again i'm not sure if i was just more critical of it this time or just what it was but it uh had a lot of potential. I'm not a vampire guy movie. I really would have been into this if they had just done a few things differently. And uh, I'm I'm actually kind of sad about it. I, I ripped on it. I gave it a nine, or sorry, not a nine out of ten. Good lord! Oh, I geez, gave it a that's, yeah. Come, <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Could you imagine? I gave it a three out of ten, and it, like I'm just I felt sad. You know, I felt like when you're looking for something in your pocket. And you're hoping to find a $20 bill and instead you just find dryer lint and you go, ah, shoot, I really would have had a lot of fun if I found 20 bucks. That was the case with me. I really thought I was going to, from my memory and from what I was reading about this film, I thought I was going to walk into maybe a hidden gem that I had overlooked before. Um, So three out of 10. And coincidentally, there is a new TV series coming out of this uh, called The Same Thing, Interview with a Vampire, um, because it is based on either a book or a book series. So. That's of note. And then the only other thing I watched, I finished The well, Captain. Uh, sorry, I have, I have two things to say to that. One... Oh, I would please like... ...is yep. uh, I feel like potentially during your, your ramble there, you came up with... <laughs> if you ever wanted to to start a children's book series, because <laughs> instead of saying benevolent, you said Ben Elephant. <laughs> and I'm just picturing a little elephant... Maybe he wears Being a ball benevolent. cap backwards. His first name's Ben, last name's Elephant, and you know. And the this, the lessons he learns are about being benevolent. Yeah, you know the 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 Ben Elephant series by by Pete Sanchez. Like I just think it would. <laughs> I think it would. Uh, I think it would it's sell. got legs. It's the got other legs. thing I was going to say is clearly with the upcoming vampire film that we have. Uh, interview with a vampire was never even going to be in. I haven't seen it, but mm. it was clearly not going to be in the conversation for for the top vampire film of all time. What? What film are you? Re- oh, oh have you have you not seen the set photos? No. I will send you set photos of an upcoming film where Dracula, okay, is being played by one Sir Nicholas Cage. Whoa, oh yes. I think I did take yeah. a get a whiff of this. Yeah. Yes. He's not actually knighted. In, that's I don't think that's in the cards. Well, <laughs> in your books he is. But in my books, it's it's Sir <laughs> Highness Majesty <laughs> Lord Nicholas Cage. Lord Nicholas Cage. Dark Lord of the Cinema. Yeah. Dark Lord. <laughs> oh yeah uh the only other thing i watched this week was uh i finished off uh the 2022 documentary the captain about Derek jeter i'm a huge baseball fan i'm a huge sports fan but again it was just a really well done series that um even for non-sports fans i think they would get a kick out of it it's just really interesting um learning a bit about a person 
who was so transcending of sport, uh, just as a role model, just as a uh, a biracial uh, hero to to a lot of kids growing up in the '90s. So I think there was it was just a really well done series. It was interesting. It was enlightening. And uh, it's definitely one of those those shows or TV shows that like every few years I could see myself rewatching it just because of all the different all the different buttons it hits as far as you right. know what your interests are and all the different things it hits on. So it was really well done. Really enjoyed it. I gave it an eight out of ten. Really worth my time just as far as what my interests are. What did you watch this week? Um, three things. If I'm allowed to include television shows, please. I just did, so you can too. Um, so we, we finished Return of the King. We watched Return of the King. Ah, uh, yes. Um, the extended edition and the, o- the one and only, the one and only. And I wept during all of the appropriate, you know, I wept when <laughs> Sam says, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry mm. you. Yep. yep. I, I bawled my eyes out. The one line that I cannot make it through this movie without crying, hmm. which is, "My friends, mm. you bow to no one." You do love that line. Oh my gosh! Like it just when the king of the free people <laughs> of Middle Earth right. looks at you on on this magnificent capital of of the city of men. Yep. Ministereth yep. of Gondor. And and not only does everyone bow for you, but the king bows to you. Right. And and makes <clears throat> excuse me, makes what I'm going to say is like an official royal decree. Yeah. Right? It's not just like a sweet thing to say, but is mm. like a henceforth. <laughs> right. You do Take not note. bow to anybody. Yeah. Someone write this down. Middle Earth. We are we are all indebted to you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> um, so watch that. Then watched um, the totality of Rings of Power again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, which was which was interesting. It was interesting to go through and watch it and be able to watch for certain things. Mm-hmm. having information that I had about things that get revealed later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did not disappoint. That's on my to-do list as well, just again for the same reasons of yeah. paying attention to the knowledge that I have now. And the season finale hit hit every mark for me again. I got chills during reveals that I was already aware of, or that I'd already seen umpteen times over. Interesting. Bold. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, um, we picked up at uh, at Value Village for like <laughs> peanuts. We got the first six seasons of Two and a Half Men, which is like oh, one of my favorite sitcoms. Interesting. Um, and six seasons at Value Village, <laughs> pretty darn cheap. In the plastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so no complaining there. <laughs> and so we've watched, I would say, about three quarters, give or take, of the first season. Right. 
We'll just throw it on, you know, like a, an episode before bed, sort of like a wind yep. down thing or. Of course. You know, we're savages that eat dinner at the coffee table. So if we're going <laughs> to, if, if we're going to watch something during, during eating, it's maybe, it's maybe that. Yeah, that's cool. That's the, that's the life without kids, eh? You just, you're like, oh, oh. We'll eat in front of the TV, whatever. Yep. Yeah, yep. and then you have kids, and you want to like instill them with all this <laughs> stuff, <laughs> ethics, ethics, yeah, morals. Yeah, uh, mm. could you do me a favor? Easily. Could you wrap this up for us? Absolutely. Thank you so much for voting. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out our socials below. Like, follow, subscribe. Please rate and re- review us wherever you can. Uh, we do appreciate that. Stay tuned for upcoming posts, upcoming votes, upcoming uh, fun. And uh, until we talk next time, uh, we look forward to that. And check out our Patreon page below. It's a way for you to get some extra perks. And it's a way for uh, you to also help support the show, keep the bills paid, and keep the furnace going. Because it is wintertime. It is getting it is getting nipply. <laughs> I think it's nippy. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't be the holiday season if the stores weren't any I I can't remember what the It's a it's a it's a Christmas <laughs> vacation thing. Ah, uh, N- I see. Nipply? Yeah, anyways. Mm-hmm.